This Off the Hazel podcast is now driven by Delari Nissan Regina. Nissan. And that's four birdies in a row for Drew Kocher to close out the day with a smooth 69, ladies and gentlemen. And would you look at that, Troy Kosher stripes one right down the middle on the wrong fairway. The Reverend can't drive, he can't hit his irons, and he can't putt, but boy can that guy drink. You're listening to Off the Hosel, presented by Nissan Regina. Now here's your host, Drew Kosher, and co-host, Troy McClure Kosher. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 43 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I am your host. And as always, I am joined by my brother, Troy Koser. Hello! And joined by the Reverend Danny Hagel. Boys, what's going on? All the boys back in the pit. Wow. This is, uh, I'm really happy for this one today. It's an exciting interview. But before we get started today, I want to mention that, as always, this is a Nissan-driven podcast. If you're not in a Nissan, well, you should be. Head on down to Nissan Regina, located at 1111 Broad Street, and they will take care of you. Drive Nissan. Alrighty. And as always, Troy, I wanted, I mean, he usually does where we're located now. We are located live at Divots Indoor Golf, 6823 Rochdale Boulevard, 306-206-1270. Book your tee time. Call them that number or visit them at www.divotsgolf.com. What's the old saying, Daniel? Play divots, don't make them. Or is that it? You're the one that Play, you're the it. one to do it. Oh, you're the did the ad. Divots go. No, how do I do it again? Play divots, <laughs> don't make them. There you go. Visit <laughs> divots indoor golf on Ross. Brain fart. <laughs> Quick reminder: our social media handles are at Coaster Drew, at Coaster Troy, at D Hags Double Z on Twitter and Instagram at Coaster Drew, at Yorkco and at Daniel Hagel Five. Well, fellas, open discussion, round table. As Troy always corrects me, it's a rectangle table. Um, how's it going, boys? First off, we'll go to Daniel, I think, this week there. Troy, what do you think? Sure. Boys, um, it was a good, slow weekend. Chilled out, took it easy, drank a few beers. Beers. Slept all day Sunday, and yeah, that was pretty much it. <laughs> the, cat, the usual weekend for, for me. Standard. Um, how was your guys' weekend? You, Troy? Night shifts all weekend. Oh, gravy time. So, Daniel, you know what that's like. Oh, yeah. I didn't do nothing. I it's worked. <laughs> work, sleep, work. <laughs> yep. Drew. Um, we had a hockey game on Saturday. We took down my old team I used to play for, uh, 6-2. We're 2-0 in the preseason, but that doesn't really mean anything as the regular season starts in two weeks, and that's if uh, the world doesn't shut down again. Hey, I want to cut you off there and ask you a question. Go right ahead. So, is it the... WHL players are now being allowed to go play with the SJHL players, correct? Yes, until December 20th. Now, if I'm an SJHL player that has a roster spot, third Pissed. line, center, you know, fifth defenseman, and I got guys coming in from the dub, I think you're are, stressing. You, are you not a little uh, pissed off? Well, I'll tell you right now, as a 
let's just go back to if I was a player right now and I was a third or fourth line center or winger in the SJHL and I see two 70-point guys come down from the Western Hockey League, they're not, they're not getting scratched. You're going home. That's the reality of it. And it's unfortunate. It's terrible. You know, you see the trickle-down effect. It's awful. Um, on the other side of things, you know, like every team and coach and GM's going, well, I can't wait to get some guys. But I also saw some teams saying, we don't want any guys because that, we already have a good team morale. We, we're going for the championship. We don't want to have a guy for two months, and then he's gone. That was going to be my next question to you was, because I know you know the inner circle of those teams. Do you know any guys firsthand saying, nope, we're not, we're not, we're not doing this? I heard uh, the humble Broncos are allowing one guy to play, and that's uh, Logan Barlaghi. Uh, he's from Humboldt, and that's the reason why he'll be able to play. Um, other teams I don't really know. I know Esteban signed two guys, one in Cole Fonstad, a third rounder to Montreal. Hell of a player. Um, Melville signed a couple guys. Melville just got two Some, guys. Somebody signed three or four, I see. Yorkton. Yorkton. I think they, yes, they, they didn't have five. You know what? Um, Jaden DeRoe and uh, Newkirk, both from Portland, both 70-point guys are playing in yeah. Melville. So That'll be good. To answer your question of... Yeah, okay, but here, I, I, again, this is something that just pisses me off. These teams that are allowing WHL players to come play until December, what would you say? 20th. So is there an asterisk beside the team name if they end up winning the whole thing? What do you? Th in my opinion, yeah, there, there is. Is there an asterisk beside the, um, the Denver champion. Lightning? Pardon me. On the cup? That's totally different. 110% different. You're Why? Not, because you're pulling players from a upper echelon league, not saying the SJ is not upper echelon, but let's face it, yep. WHL is higher than the SJHL. Yep. You're pulling players from that league down to the SJHL to boost up your team to get more wins. The Tampa Bay Lightning played a short season. Totally different. I'm just curious. I think there has to be some sort of uh, asterisk or... I, I, I just, well, dis I just disagree with the way they're doing this it. Is, That's all. This is kind of to also answer your question too. Do you think Western League teams are worried about guys coming back? Man, I'm having a lot of fun right now. I scored 45 goals in 25 games. No, I they're going back to the dub. Trust yeah, me. I think they're going back. They, they, but that, that's a concern. Though. I've seen it around the league. Though people are worried about it. People are worried about Bedard they, in, they, in Sweden. They've already made their mind up. They want. They don't care about their schooling. Not, and that, true. They they want to play NHL. And yep. you know that, Drew. If you play NHL, sorry, you play WHL, you're aiming to get drafted. You play SJ, you want college or schooling. Correct. Correct. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, honestly, I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's uh, it's not fair to the guys that are bubble players. or not even bubble players. I would third, agree. Third line players uh, or, or that fifth and sixth defenseman, I don't think it's fair to them that they get cut and then they are going to be playing. You know, junior A, junior B, junior and it just drops. Yeah, it's trickle-down effect. I, I don't agree with it. That's my two cents on it. Just thought I'd ask I wonder if maybe the SJHL could make a new rule. Maybe have a few extra roster spots for when those guys. Uh, is that a thing? Maybe like until what do you the mean, WHL sorry? fires up, and then we'll just have a bigger roster uh, spots for the teams. So when that those guys do go back, they can say, okay, you know, instead of oh, sorry, so you're saying carry more guys? Yeah, carry more guys. Well, so, you know, here's the problem though. So if I'm a fourth line guy and I see two guys come in. I'm sitting, you know, eight of the next ten games. Right. That's not fun. You're not developing. You're not learning, right? No. I see what you're saying, though. You yeah. want to have longer rosters and whatever. But that, like, that young guy at 18, 17, he's out of play. He no, can't sit it, and stand yeah. any popcorn. It turned no, into I me. Get it. 
you know so um but just until the, those dub guys go back but yeah i don't know it was just a thought I'm trying to sound like a hockey podcast today anyhow let's uh let's <laughs> move on to let's what else on. is new uh boys in sports world Nothing. Oh, uh, nothing. What? <laughs> no, we just talked some hockey. Uh, I know yesterday got some sad news out of Edmonton. Joey Moss passed oh, away. Joey, yeah. Condolences yeah. um, to Joey Moss's family. Oh. Yeah. That, I mean, the guy's. Uh, he's a legend. He's a he's a legend in Edmonton sports. I mean, not only the Oilers, but he's also the guy with the Eskimos as well. And I seen that the Twitter world is trying to get the Oilers to make Joey Moss's seat because he had a seat right behind the bench. Yeah. Empty forever. Like Gretzky's number retiring, that seat will never be sat in again. I don't know if the Oilers are going to do it, but yeah, be no. cool though. Did you see the Eskimos? They put something on the field there today. Oh, did they? Yeah, Joey Moss and actually it was two two people passed in history. It was Joey Moss and uh, David Braley, the owner of the BC oh, Lions yeah, yeah. and Toronto Argonauts, passed see away that, history yeah. too. So, uh, golf wise, didn't see much from last week at uh, the Zozo. Um, again, I was working nights, so I know who the winner was only because it's written in front of me. But I mean, Drew, did you get a chance to watch any of that golf? Or? I watched a little bit. I didn't get um, too focused on it. I should have, um, but I, I did happen to watch Patrick Cantley play really well and obviously went on to win. Um, you know, the golf's heating up right now, and right now it's October as we're, we're recording this on the 27th, and tomorrow's the 28th. Um, what, like. We're we're very close to the Masters. Well, this is in November. This tournament coming up this weekend. Why don't you rip it off for us? Oh, really? You want me to? I'll do. How about I do that while you do your notes there? No, I got it. It's the 2020 okay. Bermuda Championship. It's being played at the Port Royal Golf Course in Bermuda. Uh, it's not a big field because the week after is, like you mentioned, the Masters. Um, this this weekend's tournament will be the first tournament on the PGA Tour since COVID started. Is allowing fans back. Uh, it's very safeguarded. Entrances will blah, blah, blah. entrance will be extremely limited, uh, but it will be the first time to see spectators out on the golf course. So the you know might get into the players' minds a little bit. And, and like I said, this is the Masters prep week following is the Masters, uh, which we're all looking forward to, which is really weird oh, I can't in wait. November rather than April. Um, what do you mean? We got Masters in November. We got World Juniors in December. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> oh, maybe World Series on right now. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just this. This the field is not strong. I actually, I was looking through the field and I'm going. Who do you got this week? Give me some names and pick off, and I'll pick someone. Well, I'm looking at a uh, an app right now, and their top three picks to win it this week are, and you probably haven't heard of all of any of them. Justin Sue. He's. I'll read what it says. He's part of that Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa class, but his rise has been quick. Not his rise has not been as quick as that trio. Still, he's been good as of late, has been number four in the field in strokes. Sounds like my junior career. Gained T to green over the last three months. <laughs> so that, Justin Sue is apparently number one. Number two is Will Zalatoris. Yeah, Will. Crickets. Good luck, Will. And number three, well, this, they're, they're picking him as a sleeper. His name is Chris Baker. <laughs> Uh, Data Golf says he's the number nine in this field from Tita Green over you the say last. Say Tom Baker, months. Chris Baker, <laughs> doesn't. He's a uh, 34-year-old <laughs> former Iowa State Cyclone. So uh, yeah, there's three guys from Move the, your body the like field that are supposed to be winning this week. I don't know. Anyways, Bermuda Championship this weekend. I doubt that uh, our local stations are going to cover it because they didn't really cover much this past week. I, I did notice that. So yeah. There you go. I like it. Rev, anything else? Nope. This is all on you now, Drew. 
All right. Well, actually, I got one more thing I wanted to say there. Drew. Actually, before yeah, you do that, before you do that, you know, man, it's been so cold these days. Actually, the city, well, no, you know, I've been, I've been nice. dressing warmer, been dressing warmer. I'm trying to grow this beard out. You know what? Well, Drew, Daniel, it is getting colder out. Autumn is in the air, and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. By pumpkins, we actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. Also, they have their new Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, which uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with the code HOSL20. Go see them, manscaped.com. Good job, Troy. That's perfect. You know what? Get the nose trimmer for the nose hairs. Get the ball deodorizer. Get the ball toner if you're getting saggy nuts. And get the lawnmower 3.0 and shave that hoop of yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> other than that, we have a, a great guest today in Robin Regeer. We want to apologize right off the top here. Some technical difficulties. Not sure if it was us or him, but we're taking the blame. He couldn't hear anything I said ever. <laughs> yep. Well, he got a few questions in, and then at the end, it's almost like he shut your mic off. Um, but no, an actually an unbelievable interview. And thanks to, um, to Ryan Danberg for setting this up for us. They're good buddies. You know what? I, I thought Robin had a lot of things to say, you know, how to make it, where he grew up from. It was a grind. as a process. Um, you know, we, he talks about Kippersoft smoking darts and like while he's playing in the NHL. And, Hanging um, out with Nickelback. Yeah, I mean. On private helicopters. <laughs> that was pretty actually, nice. I think the other cool thing about the interview today was Robin Regeer was surprised, as we were, as he had a surprise hello from an in-house guest here at Divots Indoors, so you'll have to listen to both that, too. Yeah, and we won't release the name, but he drafted uh, Robin Regeer uh, in the Western Hockey League, and if you are from Saskatchewan and you know who was young enough to work for the Kamloops Blazers at that time to be the head scout, um, you'll know who that answer is. So without further ado, I think we send on over now to Robin Regeer. Let's do it. Hope you guys enjoy it. Are you tired of the same old spice, rum, and coke, or any other basic mixed drink? Well, we want to change that. Here at Off the Hazel Crew, we are proud supporters of Last Mountain Distillery. They got so many good choices that will change your world. Just some off the top of our head. Last Mountain Distillery Whiskey, Rum, Dill Petrol Vodka, Root Beer Schnapps, and now new, Apple Pie Moonshine. If you haven't already checked out Last Mountain Distillery, for all your mixed bevy needs, Last Mountain Distillery. No questions asked. Alrighty, well, our next guest on the podcast is from Brazil, but now resides in Rossler, Saskatchewan. He played 15 seasons in the NHL, played for Buffalo, LA, and spent most of his time with the Calgary Flames. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He's a hunter, fisher, avid golfer, and a hockey player, of course. We are pleased to welcome in Robin Regeer. Thanks for joining the podcast today, man. Well, th- thank you for having me. So, what's, uh, what's going on right now in your, in your world right now, Robin? What's new? Uh, what's new in your life? Well, uh, other than uh, going through the global pandemic here, like everyone else, which has made things really interesting, uh, our family's actually back in Calgary. The, the kids are back in school. And, uh, you know, for me, I've, I've uh, actually really enjoyed the, the fall weather that we were having. So I was outside a lot. And in the last week, I've actually been heading out to the mountains to try and help uh, a friend out. He's got a He's got a tag for uh, bighorn sheep, and nice. so we've been going out and uh, trying to find him a nice ram. 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So climb, climbing mountains, I guess, is what you have to do to try to try to get after those those things. And um, it, it's a lot of fun. He's a he's a really good guy and and a kind of a traditional hunter, spot stock and and that. So yeah, we get lots of exercise and lots of fresh air, and it's just beautiful out in the mountains. We're only an hour here from from Calgary to get out there, so it's just fantastic. So you're obviously in great shape then. Sorry, trick you off there, but. <laughs> So, sorry about that. I, you I, must be in great shape then, or just climbing those mountains. Uh, well, I, I still am. I'm. Uh, I try to be as active as as possible. You know, in the in the summer, we're we're always outside. We uh, we have a place uh, up at uh, Christopher Lake, and it's just uh, it's beautiful up there. I love to ski the slalom course, actually. So I love to water ski, and the kids are getting into it with all their cousins, and also uh, getting out on our on our bikes. So my younger brother Richie, who used to play uh, a little bit of hockey in the NHL and yep. and uh, over in Europe he uh, he's in phenomenal shape and we we get out on the road bikes and and go for a rip up there there's a beautiful um, scenic highway from uh, from Christopher Emma Lake up to Waska Sioux and it's it's just phenomenal up there I really really enjoy it so get out there and do that and uh, you know play a little bit of beer league hockey too <laughs> right up my alley there Robin so you usually Drew, you know, he's doing the whole backing up, you know, how you grew up, blah blah blah. But I'm going to ask today. You, you, you're Canadian, but you're born in, and if I can say this correctly, Recife, Brazil. I, I, can can I can I? I'm I'm having a really hard time. Like it's it's kind of garbled uh, there. I I can't hear the the question. Okay, I'll try one more time. Um, okay. You usually Drew does the backtracking to a younger Robin Regeer. Um, you, you, you're born in Can- or, sorry. You were born in Recife, Brazil, I believe. If I'm if I'm saying that correctly, um, what made you come to Canada, and especially what made you decide Saskatchewan? Um, well, it, it's it's really an interesting story that involves our our family, and uh, you know, my my mom and dad uh, are, are quite religious, and uh, they um, they were very involved with uh, with the church, and still are. So, um, you know, they were, they were young, they were newly married, and decided that uh, they would like to travel. So a way to, to kind of check all those boxes was to become, uh, become missionaries. So they signed up to be missionaries for the Mennonite Central Committee, which is MCC, and off, uh, off they went to Brazil. And then uh, what, uh, what happened, uh, you know, when... When uh, young couples uh, get together, uh, nine months later, uh, my <laughs> older brother uh, showed up in, in Brazil. So he was born there. And then um, I was a couple years after that. So I was born there as well. And then they ended their, um, I think they were in Brazil for about three and a half, uh, just under four years. Right. And we, we came back to Rostern for about a year. And then... Um, they decided that they enjoyed their their mission work so much that they wanted to do another term, and they decided on uh, Indonesia. So off we went to Indonesia for about four years, and uh, I, I remember Indonesia. I was, I was too young for Brazil, but uh, that was a really interesting experience from all the you know different pets we had. We had a, a pet monkey, Barney. We had a little... <laughs> pet jungle cat at one point named <laughs> Nikki and you know we we had a big mango tree in our backyard and a dormant volcano way off in the distance like it was just a really 
uh, cool experience as a as a kid, and uh, and you know I didn't truly uh, realize it till later on in life. But yeah, we had a really interesting childhood, and then after after that we moved back to Austin, and uh, that's where you know we we really stayed and and grew up. And of course, you know, being in Saskatchewan, then uh, what do you do in the in the winter months? But uh, you know, curl and, and play hockey. So right. I decided to play hockey. Wow. <laughs> well, I think you just answered my next question. And I, I believe you played for the AAA Mentos, correct? Yeah, yeah, you bet. So I can I can give you just a quick background. So I, I, Absolutely. I grew up in, in, um, in roster and playing minor hockey for um, – for the roster and Red Wings and the roster and Flames and, and all the roster and teams. And then as, as I got a little bit older, uh, unfortunately, we didn't have a double-A a double program in roster, and we were a little bit too small. Uh, so I played a couple of years in Warman for the Warman Wildcats there who were in the Center Four League at the, at the time. Yep. So I played, uh, played two years there and then was able to uh, play one year of uh, midget AAA in Prince Albert for the Mentos. And, and, you know, the reason, the main reason I played in Prince Albert was um, I was 15 years old, didn't have a driver's license yet or anything like that. And that was the only AAA midget team that would let me uh, still live at home, uh, which I wanted to. Uh, the Saskatoon teams uh, wanted me to move to, to Saskatoon. And I just, I wasn't ready and family wasn't ready and that. So PA said, yeah, no, no problem. You you uh, you stay at home, and uh, there was another fellow by the name of Jay Bannett who also made the team, and he lived in Duck Lake, and he uh, he was 16 years old, had a driver's license, and had a, an old Pontiac uh, Firebird <laughs> with T-tops. So you know, my 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 mom would would uh, actually drive me to Duck Lake, where I'd meet up with Jay, and I'd hop in the the Firebird, and off we would go to. Uh, <laughs> to practice it was uh you know like all winter long we were ripping up and down that highway uh in the firebird <laughs> that's awesome well i have to ask too now like who was your coach in pa uh it was gary pochapinski and uh jim mccomas and and actually um i was really really happy uh to be able to share the stanley cup experience with jim mccomas uh when when we able when i was uh when I brought the cup back to uh, to Rostern and to Christopher, uh, Jim was able to to join us. So it was just a really cool experience to be able to share that with with him because uh, Jim just you know he's got a passion for for hockey like I I haven't seen before. And and actually I ran into him at the rink uh, out in uh, Prince Albert this this summer. Our, both of our boys were uh, were skating at a camp there in August. And and who walks into to watch some hockey and some kids nice. from Shawbrook, but Jim McComas. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, like you said, you, you're living at home. Like when I, w- I played in Saskatoon, and I actually lived in the Four Points Hotel for, uh, for a month and a half. They didn't have a bill for me. <laughs> oh, oh uh, sorry, who, who did you live with? I, I had to live in the Four Points Hotel. I had no bill oh, at home. Oh, the Four Points. <laughs> oh, jeez. I felt like yeah. a professional hockey player at the time. <laughs> well, you know, funny that that reminds me. Like my when when I was 19 years old, I, I came to to Calgary, and and you know it was under some some crazy circumstances. I'd just gone through a, a big car crash and, and and that, and so they they flames phoned me up, and they're they're like, you know, we're just wondering how you're doing. We'd like to bring you in for a week to uh, 
to kind of check up on you and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, pack a week's worth of clothes and we'll put you up at the International Hotel downtown and, and then you can go home after that. Well, I, I showed up and I said, you know, I, I've actually been skating for a week and uh, I, I actually, uh, I didn't leave for 11 years. I packed a, a week's <laughs> worth of clothes and I ended up being in Calgary for, for 11 years. But I, I'll never forget that first stint in the International Hotel because I, I went in there in September and I didn't get out of there till uh, beginning of January. They told me to go find a place and I ended up finding a spot with Nat Don McKelly at the time. But yeah, I put in a huge stretch in the, in the hotel. So you, you, you saying that, uh, that story just brings back uh, that, that memory just comes right, right back to uh, the forefront here. Well, perfect. Now let's talk some more uh, hotel century lifestyle here. I mean, you move on to Kamloops for three seasons, and you had a good junior career to top it off. You played in the World Juniors. I mean, this is a loaded question. How fun was how fun was uh, playing junior hockey, and how was the experience putting on the Maple Leaf for the first time? Yeah, junior. You know, junior hockey was was a lot of fun uh, for for me. Um, you know, the Western Hockey League was. Um, it was tough my first year when I was 16 years old, moving away from home, being way out in Kamloops. Uh, it was hard and uh, got a little bit lonely and that, but, uh, you know, you end up battling through and, and relying on billets and teammates. Uh, but for me, as, as junior progressed, um, as you mentioned, I had a chance to, to be part of uh, the world junior team. And, you know, we played, uh, we played in Winnipeg. It was, um, it was 1999, I believe, uh, was uh, was the year and and the the Winnipeg uh, Jets had left I believe it was three years three seasons bef- before that so the, the Winnipeg area was really starved for for hockey and uh, we we played our first game in Brandon I believe it was and then the rest of the games we played in the old Winnipeg arena and I don't know if you ever had a chance to to go in there but it was just an amazing place they had the, a massive uh, painting of, of the, the queen. queen. Yeah, I was, was going to say uh, up there, and of course the the you know the fans being as great as they they were, and uh, they got into it with the sea of white, which they used to do for for the Jets when uh, when they were there before, and and it was just nuts. Like people were just going going crazy, and you know I remember this one fan running on the ice after a game, and you know just like his, his celebration <laughs> and, and the excitement. And that was, was just, uh, it was so fun to be a part of that. You know, unfortunately for us, the result, you know, we ended up losing uh, in overtime against uh, Russia um, in that. So, you know, I got a silver medal out of it. But uh, the, the experience itself and being in Winnipeg, in and around Winnipeg with all those fans, like, oh, I'll never forget that. So, Robin, this is kind of a long question, but I, I want to know, our listeners want to know. Um, you were a first-round draft pick to Colorado in 1998. Shortly after, you know, you, you were moved to Calgary for uh, a friend of our show, who's been on our show, Chris Dingman, Dinger. Uh, Theo Fleury. Were you disappointed getting moved before even getting a chance to play in Colorado, or were you just excited that you had an opportunity in Calgary to play? Yeah, I, I think I heard that question correctly. Yeah, I was, I was part of four, four first-round draft picks uh, by the... Um, by the Colorado Colorado Avalanche, it was it was uh, Alex Tangay, um, it was Martin Skula at uh, 17, I believe it was. I was at 19, and then Scott Parker at at 20. Uh, so you know, Colorado at that at that point um, was really a stacked team. They were they were in a win 
win now mode. They had uh, Sakic, Forsberg, uh, Patrick Waugh, um, Adam Detmarsh, uh, Claude Lemieux, uh, Foot. Uh, you, you know, yeah, just a they were they were a powerhouse team, and and what happened was I, I went to my first training camp there when I was 18 years old, and you know just uh, had had an eye-opening experience being around all those all those players and I, I'll never forget I had, I played uh, I think it was two exhibition games and then I got sent back to junior but yeah I had a chance to be around those those professionals and and you're just I was just trying to learn as much as as I could um, you know for me if I if I look back on it uh, I ended up getting traded uh, the next year when I was in junior and they wanted to load up Colorado wanted to load up at the deadline so they traded for Theo Fleury and Chris Dingman from the Flames. So then the Flames had, uh, they got uh, they got Rennie Corbet, Wade Belak, and future considerations from Colorado. The future considerations were, uh, they had a month, uh, Calgary had a month to scout. Um, it was either Martin Skula or myself was who they were allowed to, to scout and then make the decision on which, which player they wanted to pick. And then they also... Uh, they also had a draft pick, I believe, and that that draft pick ended up being Jared Stoll. Who uh, so I, I went to wow. Calgary, and Jared Stoll was was picked by Calgary. And then uh, what happened was uh, the Flames and the Flames and, and Jared couldn't come to an agreement, so he ended up going up to to Edmonton. So it was it was really um, kind of funny later on in my career in, <laughs> in L.A. We Jared and I had a chance to to play together after you know butting heads for so long in the in the flames and uh, Oilers rivalry, but we were, we were part of the, the same trade originally. So you, you played for Canada several times in your career. Um, what, what are some of your world cup experiences? How special was that for you? And, and any, uh, any good stories from those events that our listeners might want to hear? Uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting that question like uh, is it uh, some of the most memorable experiences in, in my career is that correct what i'd ask is if like memorable experiences from playing for team canada you know your world cup experiences oh, team, uh, oh yeah team canada yeah, yeah. and any yeah. good stories that our listeners might want to hear yeah so um well team canada so the way it it, it uh it used to be for for me is you, you'd be part of um you know the under under 17 uh program so you know, I played uh, played a little bit in that with uh, Team Western and and doing that, and then and then made the um, the World Junior Team, and then from there uh, you kind of move move along as the career progresses. I played in a couple uh, World Championships, and then um, also uh, the World Cup, and in 2004, and then um, after that in the Olympics. So we had a chance to to play in in a lot of different uh, different events. Uh, for me, the highlight probably was the uh, the World Cup. You know, we had the we had the result that we wanted, uh, but the the reason it was a highlight too was uh, you know unfortunately we just lost in 2004 in the Stanley Cup Finals to uh, the Tampa, and so that was a really bitter pill to swallow uh, to go all the way and uh, Game Seven in the in the finals and, and lose. But uh, you know, shortly after that, like we played into mid uh, mid June. Uh, shortly after that, I, I got a chance to to be part of that World Cup team in, in 2004, and you know, playing uh, playing with uh, with just you know guys that I looked to, grew up uh, looking up to 
um, you know, guys like uh, Mario Lemieux were on that team, uh, Scott Niedermeyer and, and Marty Brodeur. Like, that was just an amazing experience. And, you know, I'll never forget, uh, I was doing a one-on-one drill in practice, and what, what happened was, uh, as a defenseman, you're at the, at the front of the net, and out of each corner, there's there's um, there's a forward. So in uh, in one corner, I forget who it was. In another corner, there was Mary Lemieux. And then you had to do uh, three one-on-ones. The last one-on-one came up from uh, the, the forward was up at the at the blue line. So so I, I went at the at the first player and kind of tried to angle, come back and and play my first one-on-one. It was fine. So you know, get done that. Go over to the other corner. And go to uh, play the Mary, the Mary Lemieux in a one-on-one, and it was like within a you know a second or two, the puck had gone like one way, another way through my legs, and he was in on the goalie <laughs> and, and deking the goalie and and scoring, and and you know it was just he was so smooth. He's he's a really he's he's a big player, and he has a huge wingspan, and the, how smooth he was and how good he was with with the puck like he, he you know he made me look like an idiot uh, <laughs> luckily it was just practice but um, I'll, I'll never forget that and and I had a chance to, to play against him in, in Pittsburgh and he was just uh, he was an amazing player and I'll never forget uh, Brad uh, uh, Brad McCrimmon who unfortunately uh, yeah. we lost in the, in that uh, plane crash in in Russia but he played against Mario a lot and he was my my coach in Calgary for a bit and he said Robin you know there's there's some players that you can you can pass around. You know, you put the puck in the air around them, and you know you can do that and this. And he's like, with Mario, never ever try to do that. Like <laughs> he is so good, he'll knock that puck down ten out of ten times, and he won't just knock it down. He'll knock it down out of the air, and it'll land like flat on the ice, and he's back the other the other way. He was just that skilled of a of a player, and you know those things I'll, I'll never forget. Well, it's funny you, you say that, Robin, the old corner, corner, uh, middle, three-on, or basically one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. I coach junior hockey. If I did that uh, with some of my guys, I might not hear the end of it. So that uh, drill doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was something where, um, you know, that that's a tough drill for the D-man because you got to start at the front and, and you got to go, go at the forward, but then backpedal and try to, yeah. you know, get get an angle of some sort and try to, you know that, but uh, oh yeah, he uh, he he made me uh, look like just a you know a foolish like a like a beer league hockey player, right? Like the, this is a guy that that if you look at his numbers, you know, was just an amazing, productive player. And unfortunately, you know, it was uh, health health and his body that really uh, you know ultimately kind of let him down for for certain parts of it. But uh, yeah, like he, he just you know I remember playing him in, in Pittsburgh, like, uh, that was when the, the line of, uh, you know, Kevin Stevens, Yarmir Yager, and Lemieux was, was uh, still together, and I played against that line, and what, what happened was uh, my, my mom and dad had, had flown in uh, from, uh, from Saskatchewan to, to watch the game, and it, it's actually, <laughs> it's a bit, of a bit of a funny story, because we, we go to the hotel, this is the night before, we'd flown in from somewhere else had played a game, and I knew my mom and dad were, were going to be in the hotel that night. Uh, I'd, I'd lined up a room for them and stuff like that to watch the game the next day. Well, I went and grabbed my key card from, from the table. So what happens is when you get into a, a hotel, they have a big table with uh, everyone's key cards there. So you go grab yours and, and away you go. 
Um, and I, I went to open my door, and I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like, it just didn't seem right. Well, I come around the corner, and I'm like, oh, and there's there's my mom and dad, like, in 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 bed in, in my room. Like, they had a, <laughs> they, the, someone in the hotel had mistakenly put them in, in my room. So I'm like, you know, luckily uh, nothing else was, uh, was happening or anything like that. So it was, it was all good. But I, I just turned around and said, you know, I'll go grab a different room. Uh, you guys just re- relax and, <laughs> and away it goes. So, so anyway, we give the game the, the next day and, uh, you know, the, the Pittsburgh just lit us up. Like I think Mario, Mario had like one goal, four assists. Uh, I think Yager had three goals and two assists and Not you know, a bad night. had a bunch of, yeah, that night, <laughs> uh, that, that next night. Uh, and they just lit us up, but it was, it my, my, I'll never forget. My mom and dad were just so proud to, to be out there and, and uh, watch, you know, their son get a chance to play against uh, against these great players. So, Robin, I mean, I hope you can hear me for this full question here as we are fighting some technical difficulties. But um, moving on to 2013, I mean, in your second full season with the LA Kings, you play with some great players. Kopitar, Doughty, Carter, Richards, Gabrick, Quick. The list goes on, yourself included. I believe that that team is slotted low in the playoff bracket. The question is, what and how did that team really rally together to win and keep winning and get all the way to the final and win the Stanley Cup? Walk us through that run if you could. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, so it was it was 2014. I'll just uh, oh, I'll just, oh Google. Uh, 20, Sorry, Rob. <laughs> in in 20 in no problem. In 2013, we actually lost to uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks in the Western Conference final. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you a bit of a funny story. Uh, later about uh, about the ring and dan carcillo and stuff Love but, it. but yeah that was 20 2014 that um you know we we actually didn't uh play that well in the last kind of 10 games of of the season i think we we lost um a bunch of games the last six or seven games but we we knew that we wanted to play san jose in that uh, first round in, in 2014 so what happened was um you know our poor last, poor performances in, in the last number of games in in the regular season uh, directly led to awful games in games one and two in San Jose, and we we got blown out like it wasn't even it wasn't even close the the games. And so um, one thing that uh, that Daryl Sutter kept uh, harping on us was. Um, you know, attitude. We we needed a better attitude and to change our our attitude. And so we did that and went back to L.A. and played uh, a much better game three. We still lost game three. So there we are down three nothing in in the first round. Um, you know, this the L.A. team for the most part had won the Stanley Cup in 2012 and got all the way to the Western Conference Finals in 2013. So there were some, <laughs> some pretty high expectations, even though we were a low seed. Yeah. And there we were playing, uh, you know, a division rival in, in San Jose down 3 nothing. Well, what happened was, um, you know, we won game four. I believe it was in overtime. I think we won game, game four and just started building the momentum but that really that momentum had started in game three when we started playing better but didn't get get the results so we won game four uh win game five and and then just built uh, on, on that momentum and the really interesting thing was there was only three teams previous to that 
that had ever uh, come from a 3 nothing deficit. And Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, who were both on our team in L.A., had been part of uh, one of those teams in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. So, they, so leaning on, on their experience and, you know, guys like uh, Dowdy, Quick, and, and Kopitar uh, were, were playing well. Uh, we, we won game six, ended up winning game seven handily in, uh, in San Jose. And, and it was just, uh, it, it was a really, really cool experience to be part of that, to come back from, from that type of, of deficit. And, and I think our team really used that as, uh, as a huge kind of confidence boost for, for us and ended up, you know, really when you look at it, going into Anaheim, on the road in Game 7, winning there in the Round 2, going in on the road in Game 7 in Chicago, uh, winning there in overtime with uh, Alec Martinez' goal, and then continued on uh, against the Rangers and, and winning in, in overtime in, uh, in Game 5 to, to win the Cup. Well, that's uh, unbelievable, and I actually love watching um, just even the highlights from when you guys won because, like, it was, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like it was... You guys were first seed, and you just dominated, right? You guys were the underdog. Yeah, if if anyone gets a chance, like uh, I know that when the when the pandemic uh, was uh, was first started, uh, you know, NHL, um, I think it was TSN had a bunch of uh, kind of rewind games, and and one of the best series I think um, from that year, uh, and and you know, in a long time is the series uh, between L.A. and Chicago. You know, for me, I was out with a, with a knee injury um, at that time, but that, that series from 2014 in the, um, in the Western Conference Final, um, that was just an amazing, amazing series. And, uh, you know, we, we came out on, on the right end of that. And then, you know, I'll lead into, you know, the, the, the story that I was thinking about before. So what happened was, uh, Chicago won the Stanley Cup in, in 2013. We in L.A. won it in 2014. Well, um, what, uh, what happened when, uh, when Dan Carcillo showed up was uh, that was after they'd won the Stanley Cup in, in 2013. He came to, uh, to our team at the start of 2014. And the first thing that, uh, you know, the guys in L.A. Uh, did was uh, said, hey, uh, his nickname was Carbomb. Uh, they said, hey, Carbomb, uh, why don't you show us your ring? Why don't you show us your ring from, from 2013? Because if you remember, a lot of these guys in L.A. had had rings from, from 2012 when they yeah. won the first time. Well, so Dan brings his ring from the Blackhawks 2013 in, and this thing is just way bigger, way nicer than uh, what, uh, what the L.A. guys had from, from 2012. So... Of course, they're like, well, you know, if, if we win again, uh, we're going to have to touch it up a little bit and, and, you know, have something bigger and this and that. So, well, the funny thing was we, we ended up doing it, even though we were <laughs> down 3 nothing. And so that, that's why, you know, these rings just keep, seem to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, eventually it'll, who knows, it'll be almost like a hubcap that you have to wear <laughs> on, a, on a chain around your neck or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of a funny story how uh, guys got ring envy and uh you know I, I saw it firsthand well well robin just to further that question i mean i was just curious how special was that moment for you and your family yeah yeah it it was just it was phenomenal like it it, it really is hard to 
hard to describe. You know, for, for me, I can only speak about it uh, personally, and, and there's a lot that goes into it. You know, if, if you look back on career, like, 20, uh, in 2004, I had uh, I'd been right to the to the Stanley Cup Finals and right to Game Seven, and we lose by one, and it's just yeah. complete heartbreak. And then you, you you think, oh, you know, we're we're young, our team's young in Calgary, and we're going to get right back there and give it a good shot. Well, we lose the, the next season because of a lockout, and then it takes ten years for for me personally to to get back there. And at that point, you know, I know I'm at the tail end of my career. And all I wanted to do was win. And that was a big reason, um, you know, of, of going to, to L.A. when they asked if I wanted to, to come out there and, and be part of the team in a, in a trade. And so, you know, I waived my, uh, my no movement, went from Buffalo to L.A. And I said, you know, all I want is a, is a chance. And w- I felt that we had that in, in L.A. And, and to, to actually win it, you know, for me, I was, I was hurt at, uh, at, in the finals and, and, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a interesting story because uh, Colin Fraser was another uh, veteran guy, yep. and myself were, were were sitting watching the the game five, and it uh, it went into overtime, and and some of the young guys we had on our team that were sitting out as well, they got dressed, they got dressed and pretty much fully dressed underneath, and they said, well, if we if someone scores and we win, we want to be out there right away, and Colin Fraser and I look at each other. And I'm like, you know, that just doesn't feel right. That almost seems like we're assuming that we're going to win. And hockey players yeah. are, are really superstitious. Like it's, and so, you know, we looked at each other and we're like, you know, let's wait. Let's wait to, to, to get dressed. And, and when, uh, when Alec Martinez scored the goal, of course, you know, we're jumping up and down. Everyone's so happy. And, but then we had to quickly get dressed and get our gear on. <laughs> so, you know, that was that was the most difficult time I've ever had a chance to, to get dressed. You know, your hands are shaking and you want to you lost your get state, out there. So. And then, yeah, then you <laughs> and then you get out there and you know, my my parents and family were in the were in the stands too. And and when uh, when Dustin Brown uh, gets the Stanley Cup from from Gary Bettman and goes for his twirl, um, you know, I was just so fortunate that you know I was the the next person that that he handed it to. And you know, it had been. It had been 14 years since I'd even, you know, had a had a glimpse of of the cup. That's and, pretty and cool. So you're just so you're so happy and and uh, to reach reach that goal. But also probably the best thing for me, uh, guys, was having having mom and dad there, having family members there to be able to to share that. You know, like back to the story I told before about all the minor hockey trips and travel and commitment there like that's a huge commitment by by not just mom and dad but but other members of our family and to be able to share that with them and just say you know thank you thank you for for helping me along the way and and being a a big part of it and it was a really cool way to to be able to say thank you and share share that experience with uh with me and and my family wow that's uh perfectly said robin and like i guess the further i mean another question on top of that is we usually ask this later in the show, but you you lose in Game Seven in '04, and then you win in 2012. What would you say to someone listening today that wants to make it to the NHL or you know professional athlete? What it takes? I mean, like you know, obviously you, you lost in Game Seven. It's terrible, and then you win, and you obviously you overcome so much. Yeah, like uh, so, a few things. You know, first of all, you know, I, I had the goal of of 
making the NHL from a very young age. But as I as I spoke about it, it's not just a, a one one person show. It's not a one man show by any means. Like you know, the commitment uh, I had to had to show uh, you know probably paled in comparison to my mom and dad. Who you know, I remember you know the financial commitments. Uh, we had to work bingos uh, numerous times to you know help pay for for the uh, registration fees and tournament fees and this and that like it's a huge commitment by by um family members and extended family so um you know that commitment is is not just a, a given so i think that's the first thing i would say is you know be aware of how how what kind of level that you're you're willing to to kind of go to because uh there's lots of people that are that are trying to do it and yeah and, so um, and then also the the work, you know, you have to you have to put in the work. Uh, I don't care, you know, how talented you are. Uh, work ethic and, and attitude are, are extremely important in it. And and if you don't have either one of those, uh, you're going to be in tough. And and so have a good work ethic because I saw that firsthand. Uh, you know, when when I went to my first professional. Uh, tryout in uh, in Colorado when I was 18. You know, I thought, oh, you know, I, I worked pretty hard, and that I had no idea. Like it was eye-opening how how much harder that uh, those guys worked in in the NHL. And and these are, you know, these are established players, the Sackicks, the Forsbergs, and that. And and they're still working way harder than any of the young guys. So yeah. that was uh, that was another eye-opener. And then attitude, as I mentioned. So. For me, it was always trying to keep a good attitude in that, you know, you're trying to learn. You're trying to learn from your coaches and, and what they're trying to teach you. You're trying to learn from other players that are better, um, that, that have had success. You're trying to learn from, from players in, in the professional ranks that, you know, are, are, are achieving their goals. So those are, I would say, some of the things that I would try to say to young, young players that are aspiring to, uh, to make it to the NHL. Lots. Well, uh, perfectly said. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> wow. Robin, we are a golf podcast, so uh, I think we've had enough hockey talk for a bit. Um, oh. how, how big of a golfer are you, and how much are you playing these days? Oh, so uh, I, I, I just got uh, some, I think I heard golfing golfing out of there. And, you know, I, I, I'm ashamed to say that uh, I don't play as much golf uh, now, being uh, you know that uh, with the with the two young boys as I did when I was younger, uh, you know I used to play golf three or four times a week when I was uh, when I because I, I, I started playing in the NHL when I was 19 years old and you know was a young single guy and you know playing golf all the time and actually was a, was a decent player at at one point and you know for me um, it was it was really enjoyable to to get out there and play with uh, play with friends and. And you know, at one point, I, I hosted a, a charity golf tournament for a couple of years up at uh, the beautiful uh, resort up north uh, uh, called Elk Ridge there in, in Saskatchewan. So golf was was a big, big part of um, you know my my summer. And and unfortunately, the last kind of five or six years, um, I haven't played as much as uh, I've, I've wanted to. And uh, it's it's just been something I I, I just haven't. Uh, had as much time to, to do but now I'm actually kind of getting back into it with our boys being a little bit older they're 12 and 9 you know I can take them to the driving range and they can yeah. spend an hour hitting balls and 
and doing that. And I think we're close to being able to go out and, and start playing maybe maybe nine holes because, you know, that's that's what I grew up with. Uh, you know, I grew up in Rostron and we had a we had a nine-hole course, the Rostron uh, Valley Regional Park uh, Golf Course. And nine, nine holes for, for a young kid was, was perfect. You'd go out there, blast around an hour and a half, and, and you, were, you were done. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting them in, the boys into it and for me to get back into it because uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great sport and uh, it can be a very humbling sport too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robin, uh, Ryan Danberg, your buddy, Yep. Message me and mentioned you may you may be able to mention that you hit a six iron two hundred and forty yards to one foot. Care to elaborate? <laughs> well, I, I, he might he might have been stretching the truth uh, on a on a six iron. It was actually it was a beautiful three iron and a little bit of a. I think we were playing the uh, a bit of a fun tournament. I don't know if we were what uh, what exactly we were we were doing out there other than uh, having some laughs and 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 some fun. But yeah, I hit a I had a really nice shot out there you know ryan uh, i've got a tremendous amount of uh, respect for for him uh you know known him for a long long time uh Beauty. he was a heck of a golfer uh when he was younger in and around saskatchewan and then i got to know him really well when he was uh, helping out at elk ridge um when arnie peterson and, and uh his family was still running uh, running the resort up there and uh, he was great when uh, we had our tournament, uh, hosted our tournament up there a number of years, made it really easy. And I'm, I'm just so happy that uh, Ryan and his group of uh, his ownership group are back uh, behind the wheel of Elkridge. And it's just such a, such a great resort and a, and a jewel of, of, uh, of what we have up in, in northern Saskatchewan. So I'm, I'm pumped that, uh, that they're back behind the wheel there and, and they're going to get that place going again. Absolutely. Alrighty, Robin, off to our segment now. Questions from the gallery sponsored by Divots Indoor Golf. We all know the winter is here to stay and it's cold outside. Well, why don't you come on down to Divots Indoor Golf, located at the end of Rochdale Boulevard. They have seven great simulators, great staff, great golf, and it's all around good atmosphere all the time. Check them out on social media and book your tee time today. Don't make divots, play divots. Alrighty, Robin, first question off the top here. What, what was it like playing with the legend Jerome Ginla? Well, you know, I can tell you this. Uh, Jerome Aginla was the most competitive person I have ever seen met in, in my life. Like, it didn't matter what you were doing. If you were, if you were playing ping pong in the, in the dressing room, Jerome wanted to beat you and beat everyone that, that he played. Um, I, you know, with fitness testing, you know, we had a board. There was a big whiteboard where all the records were written down of, of the the, per, the people, players who had who had set these records, and his name was right at the top. And if you at beat any of his scores at all, um, it, it really bothered him. He was that competitive. He was he was actually uh, he, and probably still is a very good golfer, a good tennis player. But he he was the most competitive person I have ever. And it, and it was just, it was amazing. And, but that being said, he was also the, the best professional um, that, I, that I think was, was in hockey at the time. And, and I'll elaborate a little bit in that, you know, I had a lot of friends and family coming to visit me when I played in, in Calgary. And Jerome was the face of the franchise, both on and off the ice. And, and for, for various reasons, he, he was the leader of our team on the ice, but he also was a good 
good person off off the ice and you know people always wanted to they wanted to come see me but they wanted to meet Jerome and after the after the game it didn't matter if uh, we'd won lost or what happened you know my my family and friends would be like you know do you, do you mind if you know can I go say hi to Jerome or this or that and Jerome every single time He'd come out, whether it was a good game, bad game, whatever, right. smiling. He'd take pictures with everyone that wanted to. He'd sign all the autographs. He was just, he was the most professional uh, person I've, I've ever seen. And it meant a lot to, uh, to the people and to the fans. So, you know, there's no, there's no wonder why he's such a, a fan favorite and so revered here in, in Calgary. Because, you know, that's the type of uh, person that, uh, that he was and, and still is. You know, Robin... Drew doesn't really remember, and I, I know I bring this up in a lot of our podcasts, but our cousin played for the Red Wings for many years, and uh, Drew is too young to remember, but I had the joys and pleasures of going into the locker rooms. Nope. Can you hear me? No. Uh, sorry, guys. It's, it's gotten really quiet there. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Can you hear me now, Rob? Yeah, there we go. Here, hold on. We'll give it to Troy here. Try it again here. No, I, I was just saying uh, Drew doesn't remember going into the locker rooms our cousin played for the Red Wings for many years, and I had the joys and pleasures of meeting guys like Steve Eiserman, uh, Brendan Shanahan. I, guys, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't hear any of that next question here. Alrighty, you got me now here, Rob. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Alrighty. Okay, Troy's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reiterate from him now. He, uh, what do you want me to ask, Troy? Alrighty, I'll, I'll do it now instead. Okay, I have to ask you. Had a few buddies ask me how many cigarettes or darts did Kippersoff have. Uh, at or during intermission. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, I I can't even count that. I no, he, you know he he's an amazing guy. Like yes, he smoked uh, like a chimney, and and you know one of the funny stories about about that was um, we came back from a road trip and and we just. Uh, had a new new assistant coach uh, with us uh, that year. His name was Wayne Wayne Fleming, and so Wayne Wayne Fleming and I are walking off the the plane, and um, Kippersoff is ahead of us, and he gets into his. He had a big uh, F three fifty truck at the at that time, and 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 what happens is Kipper pulls out of the parking lot, and as he's pulling out, Wayne and I are, are walking by, and and Kipper has. Uh, a cigarette going in his truck and he is sucking on that thing like the cherry is just beet red and it he's just getting it into him as as fast as he can and you know wayne wayne fleming doesn't know mika and on all that and, and he looks at me and he looks at kipper and he looks at me and and uh, i just said wayne you know he stops the puck like you know he stops the puck don't just leave him alone and you know and the thing with with mika is yeah he he liked to uh, to smoke and and drink and have fun and that, but he was the, he was the he was one of the one of the best competitors in in goal that I've ever ever seen. And there's there's stories you know of him that are just you know I could I could go on for for probably weeks with uh, with Mika Kiprusov stories. But the, the the most interesting one to me and I and I try to tell this to people is as. as as many things as he did off off the ice that you're like how how could he ever do that um i'll never forget that um dave marcou was the goalie coach at the time and he came into the dressing room to talk to mika about watching all the shooters 
watching uh, the, the team we were playing the next game and watching the power play set up and doing all that. And Nika let a little chuckle out when Dave Marcoux came to ask him to, to watch all this. And, and I knew that Nika had a really dry sense of humor, but, um, you know, he also he had to watch him subtly. And, and so I, after Dave Marcoux leaves the dressing room, I said, Nika, why, why did you chuckle a little bit kind of under your breath when, when Dave asked you to come watch all the shooters? And he says, you know, Robin, um, I, I'm, I sit at home and I PVR all the hockey games and I watch all the shooters and I know all that. Like, I've watched all that already. He had already done all the pre-scouting himself. Right. And he said, you know, I don't want to. And I said, well, why don't you tell Dave that? You know, he's like, well, I don't want to make Dave look bad, you know, as in front of the coaches and this and that. But so Mika, for all the extracurricular activities that, you know, he was known for, he was actually a, a huge student of, of the game and, and did a lot of, a lot of preparation. And, and a lot of people probably don't realize that about him. Hey, Robin, quick question for you. Yeah. Do you remember the name Todd Ripplinger? Todd Ripplinger. Yeah. yeah he was a, he Hold was on a, one sec here. Hold on. Yeah. Riggsy, how are you? Hey. Hey, hey, Todd. They, they got you going on air here, eh? Uh, they did, yeah. Uh, they, must be, uh, <laughs> they must be running out of people in the pandemic. So that, they, uh, That's yeah, why I'm on right now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How, how you been? Uh, really well, really well. We're uh, we're back in Calgary, and uh, the kids are in school, and yeah, things things are going going well. And uh, yeah, what about yourself, Todd? What are you up to these uh, days? Same same thing. Just still giving her in Regina here. Are you? Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's been good. Keep keep, keep an eye keep an eye out for uh, for my older brother's uh, kids. There, they're they're playing hockey down there. And uh, how old yeah, do they know? It, um, it would be. Uh, 12, uh, Burke's 12, and uh, Jaden and Connor. So the oldest one, Riley, doesn't play, but uh, the three younger ones do, and uh, they, yeah, they love hockey. Oh, really? Good. Well, good. Well, say hi to Mom and Dad for me. I'm going to let you get back to these studs here, and we'll uh, we'll chat at you later. Okay. Thanks, Ripper. Good Good, good good talking to you. you. Oh, that was a special guest and surprise. Hey there, Robin. So, so Todd used to be the uh, scout, was a scout for uh, for the Blazers when uh, yeah, long time ago, and and probably a big reason why uh, I ended up uh, part of the Blazer organization. Well, he's actually the guy that got me into into scouting hockey, actually. So look at that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, a couple more questions here for uh, for Robin. Um, if NHL didn't work out, or I mean, you weren't an NHL player, what would your career be today? Oh, I'd be a farmer. For sure, I I actually always wanted to be be a farmer, and and I grew up, uh, you know, in a small farming community there in in Rostered, and that was my that was my first job was actually to to go out and and help on on the farm, and uh, it was with Elmer Entz, and Elmer uh, was and still is a good uh, friend of our family, coached hockey and and things, and I loved it out there. And actually, the uh, the uh, the funny thing is now is that. Um, you know, kind of come full circle, and that over my career, I was able to uh, to actually purchase some farmland, and the uh, the the farmer that rents it from me is Elmer and his farming group. So they let me uh, they let me come out and drive all their fancy equipment and uh, be be part of the group for a little while, and I, I just I love that. It's it's a it's a highlight 
of uh, of the year to, to be out there during harvest with everyone and getting the crop in and you know this year was a little bit different with the with the pandemic restrictions but normally we're sitting in the field having having a nice uh, field uh, supper with fresh vegetables and it's just it's awesome all right next question here for you we have two more this is from troy as his mic has now went um mia uh are you superstitious if so what was your routine you know, I, I I had a few like uh, I would I would always um, you know I would always get dressed uh, you know kind of a certain way uh, uh, left to right was uh, a way that I that I got dressed. Um, you I'm know, the opposite. For, like uh, did did I have to um, did I have to tap my stick a uh, hundred times during the national anthem? No, I, you know <laughs> I wasn't like that. And uh, you know some people are like some people are. Are, are pretty crazy. I was more the guy that liked to have fun uh, with those with those players like that that were, you know, just crazy superstitious. So I would mess with, you know, their sticks and move their sticks and move their equipment and stuff like that and try to have fun with them a little bit, you know, within reason. But uh, for me, I, I didn't have any uh, any sort of uh, crazy superstitions. Already, last one here for you. Craziest thing you've seen as an NHL professional? Anything that you feel comfortable uh, telling oh. us on air? <laughs> well, it was probably Mika Kiprasov. Um, you know, it was just, uh, I've never seen anything uh, like this. He, um, we were in Vancouver, and uh, we played, uh, I think it was an exhibition game, uh, I think, and, and um Jamie McLennan was uh, the goalie coach uh, with us in Calgary at the time, and Noodles. he knew he knew the um, he knew the guys from uh, from Nickelback. So uh, Chad Kroger, the lead singer, Ooh. and uh, Jamie were going to meet up at the Roxy after a very famous kind of place to go um, after a hockey game there in Vancouver. Well, what happened was we we didn't play very well at all, and uh, we lost pretty bad. Uh, so Jamie didn't uh, didn't feel comfortable coming out, not, but uh, but actually Chad was was there at the Roxy, and um, you know we all went, a bunch of us players went, and Kipper Kipper was there. So you know we're we're having a good time, everything like that, and it gets to be the end of the night, and and uh, you know Kirk McLean uh, ended up showing up, so Kipper. Uh, Mika Kippersov's talking to Kirk McLean about goalie stuff, so that's always scary. You try to stay away from those <laughs> those goalies because they're they're a little off kilter, I think. And and what happened was I ended up going home, and you know, kind of didn't think anything of it. So I'm on the bus. I'm on the bus the next morning, and uh, Mika isn't around, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? And and so all of a sudden, like with like two minutes to go uh, before the bus leaves, he uh, he ends up coming on the bus, and he's he's looking, um, you know, a little disheveled and, and stuff. And I'm like, you know, Kipper, like, you know, what, what's going on? Like what happened? And he's like, Oh, Robin, you'll never believe this. So I guess what happened was, um, after the Roxy, uh, Chad had, uh, Chad had taken, uh, you know, a helicopter. Uh, he had a helicopter kind of service that, uh, he'd come taken to downtown, uh, Vancouver to watch the game. And, and after the Roxy, they hopped, uh, he took Mika, and they hopped in the helicopter. They, obviously, they had a, the pilot fly them back to Chad's, 
Chad's place. He has a beautiful place out in Abbotsford. So yeah. the rink and all that kind of stuff. So they, they ended up going on the rink and partying and, you know, this and that. Well, next thing you know, it's, uh, it's the morning and, um, you know, Mika had to get back. Like, he had to get back because the bus was leaving to go to the airport. We were flying out. <laughs> so he's like, oh, man, I'm... I'm you know, and driving in, in uh, lower mainland of Vancouver is awful. He wasn't going to make it. So Chad uh, had the service come back, pick up Mika, uh, flying back downtown. He, he, like, went up the service elevator, grabbed his stuff, and down and out, and, like, made the bus within minutes. And, like, and then told us the story. And I'm, there I am listening to the story. I'm like, there's no way. Like, come on. And, and then, you know, you find <laughs> out, like, holy smokes, it's... Uh, yeah, that was just that was something that that happened that was just absolutely <laughs> crazy. I love it. Well, Robin, we wanted to, um, I mean to say sorry obviously for the mic issues and and the audio stuff. Um first off, I mean also thanks so much for coming on the show today. Uh we hope we can do it again at some point here. Yeah, well, well thank you very much for for having me Drew and, and guys and uh you know good good for you guys for for doing this and having a little bit of fun and uh also uh, representing Saskatchewan well. It's uh, a place that's uh, dear dear to my heart, always will be, and uh, good, good job, guys. Thanks so much, Robin, and we, we look forward to um, you know talking to you in the future. For sure. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Take care, Rob. Bye. Hi, Troy Koser from Off the Hosel. Go and visit our friends over at Rapid Lawn Landscape Solutions to get that green grass that you've always wanted. Be like me and many others that they've helped over the past few years to get that yard that they've always dreamed of. They offer such services as synthetic turf, residential landscaping, landscaping supply, and hydro seeding. Call them at 306-993-7300 to get your free quote or email rapidlawn.ca. Also, don't forget to ask about the Rapid Lawn Finance It program. Again, call 306-993-7300 or email rapidlawn.ca. All right, there it is, episode 43 of Off the Hosel with Robin Regeer. Um, boys, thoughts on the on the pod today? Troy? Well, aside from him not being able to hear anything I had to ask him, uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, we had some technical difficulties. We talked to him about that. And maybe he didn't understand me because I just talked too fast, but I thought I was getting really good at this whole slowing down thing. No, so. Robin had some good stories all in all. I mean, he's a great guest. Another one, put it on the list. I mean... 43 episodes now, 42, yep, 43, and yeah, we're banging it out of the park. So uh, again, Robin, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Rev? Oh, it was a good podcast. Um, Robin had lots of good stories, and he could talk forever. I didn't realize how good of a talker he was before before coming on. Uh, lots of good stories and a uh, really humble guy. So thanks again, Robin, for coming on. Yeah, and yet again, I get absolutely dummy by Wikipedia. On uh, He did not win the Cup in 2013. He won in 2012, and they lost in 2013. Um, but yeah, Robin, you know, good sasty boy, but he's actually born in Brazil, which is banana lands to me when I read that on, online. I'm happy I was right. Um, but you know what? I, I just thought it was, he was a... What's that word? Sincere? Is that a, is that a word? A sincere guy? Like just a good yeah, guy, humble. Sincere, humble. Um, you know, a lot of good accolades. Genuine guy. Team Canada, like... What a career, yeah. what a story, and, and I'm really happy that we had him on our show. I got to fact check you again. Absolutely. You said 2012, it was 2014. 
Well, how can we say 2013 then? No, he said 2014. You had 2013 written down from Wikipedia, but it was 2014 that he yeah, wanted Yeah, he, he did say 2014. Drew. Yeah. All right, so both of you guys are just dumbing me now too, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're old for seven now, I think. Yeah. Oh, great. Anyways. Well, you know what, boys? Um, episode 43. Yep. Okay. And well, again, we want to thank all our sponsors. Manscaped, Molson, Divots Indoor Golf for hosting us inside, PBM Signs with this unbelievable backdrop, uh, Last Mountain Distillery, the best, Rye Rum, anything you need. Troy, anything else you want to do here before I uh, start doing my send-offs? Yeah, I want to just let all of our listeners know, hey, we're looking for some more sponsors on the show, so get a hold of us. Uh, we'd love to have you on board. We're getting bigger and bigger, faster and faster. Cheap opportunity right now to make some money, I'm thinking. I so agree. Uh, get a hold of myself, Drew or Daniel, if you're interested in some sponsorship. It's winter time. Christmas is coming. Um, speaking of Christmas, sweaters, they came in this past week. So uh, get a hold of us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If we haven't got a hold of you and you ordered a sweater, we'll get them to you. You pick them up at uh, Divots Indoor Golf Center Tuesday nights. We're usually here from around 4 till 8.30 p.m. And uh, what else? Well, we got a contest coming up here, big one. We got a Manscaped package. We've got an off the hosel sweater. We've got a fifty dollar gift card to Campfire Grill, yeah. and off MT, MT Aerosmith head cover for uh, your driver. So stay tuned for that. It'll be on all our social media channels. Uh, you guys out there know that we like to give stuff back to you. So stay tuned. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Alrighty, that was awesome, Dan. Anything else before we let go here? No, it was good to see you boys and. Thanks, everyone, for listening again. Alrighty. Rev, always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Troy, love you, brother. Yeah, he said peace as he's gulping. And by the way, Hope, actually write us in. How do you feel about our new intro and brought to you by Mark Johnson from 92.1? The best at his job. By the way, that is Regina's best radio station right now. Bangers. Like, love it. Love it. Love it. Alrighty, boys. See you. Have a great Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See ya! Peace!